If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Malachi. As you go um, to the book of Malachi, a couple things, just uh, information, just so you have some information. book of Malachi is the ending of your Old Testament, beginning of the New. So you're going to have 400 years of silence where God is not going to speak. And I was listening um, this week to the book of Luke. Uh, I was listening to Paul David Tripp. Uh, just do one of the beginning message uh, out of the book of Luke. And it's really interesting as you think about how the book of Malachi is going to end, some things that you're going to see here, and then you're going to have 400 years of silence. And then as you enter into the first voice of the Lord, you're going to have John the Baptist, who's going to come out of the wilderness and be the one that's going to be the voice into the new of the Messiah's coming. And I don't know about you, but I was just thinking about all the priests that were in Israel at the time, thinking, what about me? What about me being the messenger, me being the voice? And, and God just said, wait a minute, I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to get this messenger out of the wilderness. He's going to eat weird things. He's going to come out and, re- and preach a message of repentance and baptism. And, and so as you get to the book of Malachi, I want you to think about a, a couple words. The first word I want you to think about is the word restoration. As you think about the book of Malachi, you're going to get a chance to see um, some restoration, opportunity of restoration. You're going to get a chance, as, as I've been thinking about, all of us in, kind of in our own hearts, we kind of like the underdog story. We kind of like uh, to watch families be reunited, friends be reunited, um, military people being reunited with their families. I love watching uh, the reactions and the facial expressions of, of family members that have not been together for you know a period of time and and also family members as you think about military they they may never see them again legitimate hey you're gone i may never get to hug you again i may never get to talk to you again i may never get to go have pizza with you again i may never be able to ask you a question again and then to put those families back together but as i've been thinking about the word of god and i've been thinking about the book of malachi another word i've been thinking about It's complacency. And as you look through this book, you're going to get a chance to see a nation that knew a lot of information and watched God do amazing things, but their heart was complacent. Their passion wasn't for their God. Their hearts, for whatever reason, and and there's a lot of different reasons complacency happens. There are times that we get aggravated at God. God, why are you doing it this way? God, this doesn't make sense to me. And if you're a part of yesterday, and I don't know how many of you were here yesterday for the ladies thing, what a neat blessing. And, uh, and the way God has worked to, for her to be able to write the unstuck Bible study is, and, the, and then the book is just really kind of neat. And then I'm reading another book called How Deep and How Wide, uh, written by Andy Stanley. And uh, I've been fascinated how God started North Point Church. You would never believe the circumstances that God used to start North Point Community Church. It's unbelievable. And Andy is so honest because I read a, 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 group about, a book about small groups, and I thought, well, that's how North Point started. They started with small groups. That's, not, that is, that's part of the truth. That's not all the truth. North Point Community Church started because his parents got a divorce. He left the church that he was working with at his father. 
And he said, Dad, I can't do this to you anymore. And he walked into his office and said, Dad, I resign. I can't take the rumors of people thinking I'm trying to take over a north church while you're trying to do this church. And then he said, God, Dad, this is what I think God wants me to do. And his dad stood up from his desk, and, and they hugged each other, and they cried, and they cried, and they cried. And he said, okay, you're done. And now, in this book, his dad writes the foreword to it. And, and then his, you've got to read the book, but it's cool to watch God work in circumstances, ways that you and I wouldn't have thought about. But in our complacency, or as I think, been thinking about Andy, he said, you know, he writes about, hey, I got mad at God. If he would have stayed angry at God and said, God, I'm not doing this. God, I'm not interested in getting involved in another church. That was messy enough first time around. I don't want to do round two. God, you don't work that way. But then God said, wait a minute. I want to do something in your heart. And lives have been impacted because of that. So maybe you're angry this morning at God. Maybe you're saying, God, this isn't fair. Maybe you're just at a point in your life saying, you know what, God, I'm just not really interested in you, to be honest. I kind of enjoy what I'm doing. kind of enjoy the way I'm living my life. So you know what, I'm not really having any hunger for who you are as a person. I have no hunger for the truth. And I would say be very careful if you're in that part of life. So this morning I want to show you a couple things. You can, you can outline the book this way, The Privilege of the Nation, The Pollution of the Nation, and The Promise of the Nation. Uh, I did not write that. That's all kind of, you know, peas and nations and all that. My mind doesn't work that way. Um, I was looking at um, uh, walk, or talk, uh, walk through the Bible in the New Testament. Just, it's uh, Wilkinson and Boa. They've outlined different uh, the books of the Bible, and so I kind of was using their outline. But as I think about those things, and I'm going to show you uh, the first and the second one, and the third one I'm, I'm not going to do this morning just for the sake of time, but I want to show you the first and the second one. And, and, the, and overall, all that I want you to see is I want you to see the word restoration. And I want you to say, Lord, if there's something in my life or in my heart that, I, that you need to restore this morning, I want you to begin that work. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Um, so this morning, I want to just uh, begin with a, just, a, just a time of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And I thank you for the book of Malachi. I thank you for what it's meant to me as I've been thinking over it these last weeks. So, Father, as we open it today, may our hearts be open to you first. Is your heart open to him this morning? Do you want to hear his voice? Will you give him permission to work in your life? He's not going to, he doesn't, he, he could make you change, but he's not going to. He wants you to be open to him. So for, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to open our hearts today. In the words that are shared through the word of God and through opportunities that you put in my own heart and mind, uh, may your words speak loudly and clearly today. Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. Holy Spirit, come and move in our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. First thing that I want you to see is the privilege of the nation. Look at Malachi chapter 1 uh, and verse 1. An oracle of the Lord, or the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. I want you to stop there. I want you just to think about the nation of Israel with me just for a second. I want you to stop and think about how God was a God that loved them. And I want you to think about not that God was just a God that loved them just because of God said that he loved them. 
I want you to think about God that, was a, that loved them, that demonstrated his love towards them. And so as you come to this, this time in history, when the nation of Israel is, is kind of doing their thing, and God's going to step in through the, through the prophet Malachi, and he's going to give a message to the Israelites. And the beginning of the message, he wants to remind them that he loves them. Now what's interesting is, all of us sitting in this room, or, or the, the Israelites, they knew history. They knew what took place in the past. But were they going to allow what took place in the past and the, the demonstration of God's love for them affect their lives at this point in history? And the answer is no. All the things that God had done for them, all the demonstrations of God's power, all of God's mercy, all of God's grace, all of God's love have been dumped on them for years. And now they're at the point saying, you know what, God? We don't care. Because if you read the prophet Malachi, he says to them, I have loved you. And the first response of the nation of Israel is, you show me how. Look at, look at the, next, the next words. It says in, in, in verse 2, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? So there wasn't a heart filled with gratitude. There wasn't a group of people that Malachi was talking to and said, you know what, God? We, you do love us. And we do hunger for you. And we're excited about you. And we want a relationship with you. That's not of the heart of the Israelites right now. So I asked myself the question, why? Why are they like this? Why have they allowed their hearts to grow cold? What was the circumstance? And I don't know. I can't answer that because I'm, I'm not, I can't speak for them. But you know what happens in life? Life. And normally what we do is we want the concept and we love the concept to know that God loves us. And so we get excited about, you know what, God loves us. But I just want to remind you this morning that God demonstrated his love. And so even if life isn't fair right now, even if life doesn't make sense right now, even if you're hurt and broken, God still loves you. And so as you sit here this morning, there's a temptation for us to look at this passage of Scripture and say, God, how have you loved me? Because I don't like life right now. I don't think it's fair. And I don't know what is true for Malachi and their, their readers. I don't know what the circumstance. I don't know how or why their hearts got so cold to stand up and almost in the face of God say, You know what, God? How have you loved me? You prove it to me now. You show it to me, big guy. But there's a temptation in all of ours is to ask that same question. I know you know that God loves you. Will you accept God's love? And sometimes God's love means difficulties. Sometimes God's love means we don't have all the money all the time that we want. Sometimes God loves means, oh yeah, Lord, I'll pay the way to go to Israel. I'll provide the resources. I'm excited about that. Let's do that. I'll do that. 
Sometimes that's what God means. And so wherever we are this morning, my, my word for you this morning as you think about this first point is to go back over your life and think about how God loved you. So I want you to do something with me. Take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 12. As I was thinking about God's love for the nation of Israel, I was just thinking about different verses. So Genesis chapter uh, 12 verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and God said, hey, here's a covenant. Here's the thing I'm going to do with you. I'm going to make your nation a great nation. If you go on to Genesis chapter 17, you see where God's going to make that covenant with Abraham. And so if you look at the beginning of 17, then Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. And be blameless. And I will confirm my covenant between me and you with greatly increasing your number. If you're looking for words, that's the Abrahamic covenant. God's going to make a covenant with Abraham. And God's going to be faithful to that covenant. He's going to say, Abraham, not only do I love you, and then generations are going to be blessed and changed because of the nation of Israel. Here's another one that I was thinking about. is Genesis chapter 41. Take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 41. Just thinking about how God had protected and blessed the nation of Israel. Genesis chapter 41. You know the story of, of, of Joseph. And sometimes when we come to the book of Genesis in chapter 41, we get to Joseph. And the first thing that we're reminded of is of the coat of many colors. First things that come to our mind often is Joseph was the, the son that was really loved. But as I think about Genesis chapter 41, I think about the story of Joseph. I think it would be reminded that God said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going I'm to bless this nation. I'm going to care for this nation. And so, Joseph, I'm going to sell you off as a slave. And I'm going to allow you to go to a land called Egypt. And I'm going to bless you greatly because I want to use you. And I want you to be the one that's going to be there for this generation. And if you think about Joseph, can, can you think about all the, the, the time of, of him being tossed into the pit and spending the night there crying out to his brothers saying, Hey guys, don't sell me. God, this isn't fair. And then he gets to Potiphar's house and says, You know, there's this beautiful woman. She keeps coming after me. She wants to be involved with me. And he says, You know what? I'm not going to get involved with you because that's sin. I'm not going to satisfy my desires Because that's sin. That's wrong before the Lord. Most of us would have still been mad at God for selling us off to be a slave. And if somebody would have put us in that situation, we wouldn't have been interested in God's heart. We would have been mad at God saying, God, what the world's wrong with you? You gave me this fancy coat and you gave me these dreams and I talked to my brothers and now look at me. 
Really? This isn't fair. This is ridiculous, God. And it gets worse. He gets tossed in prison. But you know what's fascinating about when he's in prison? It wasn't poor me. He's saying, God put me here and I'm going to serve. I'm going to bless these people. And then he gets called out and he becomes this, this ruler in Egypt. He's second in charge. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to allow the Egyptian culture to influence me. I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children. And I'll just give them Egyptian names. It's no big deal. I'll just be part of the culture. But something inside of this young man by the name of Joseph said, you know what, I want to give them Hebrew names. I don't care what everybody else says. Because God's called me to be different. If you end Genesis, his brothers end up in front of him. The brothers that mocked him. The brothers that tossed him into the pit. And he looked his brothers in the eyes and he says something like this. What you meant for harm, God meant for good. What you meant for harm was for people to look back generation and years from now to see a story of God's grace and truth and patience and hope and love and sacrifice. But you didn't know that. You just did what you did. But God had a plan. And so this morning as you think about this nation of Israel, and I, I mean, we could talk about Moses. I was thinking about, you know, Moses and just thinking about this murderer and thinking about this guy being out in the wilderness. And, and God calls him and says, by the way, I want you to be the leader. God, what do you want me to lead? Well, I want you to take Israel out of Egypt. Really, God? I've never been in the leadership class. I don't know how to talk. And by the way, if you hadn't figured out in a while, you know, a while ago, I murdered this guy. And now you want me to do what? Go back to Israel and say, by the way, the Lord Almighty is with me. I'm coming from taking care of sheep. But by the way, the Lord Almighty is with me. And he's telling us we need to go up to Pharaoh's house and we're going to leave. I'd have been looking at Moses saying, you know what? You've been around the sheep way too long. Something's in the water. You can say whatever you want to say. But Moses, we ain't going nowhere with you. But it wasn't about Moses, was it? It was about the Lord Almighty. It was about a people that it should have been in the book of Malachi, looking back and saying, wow, check out our God. He works way outside of the box. Remember what he did with, with Joseph. Remember what he did with David. Remember what he did with Moses. Remember what he did with Joshua. Remember all those things? Let's follow him. He's right. But that's wasn't, that wasn't where they were. And I want to move to this, they were wondering. Their hearts had wondered. And in their wondering, their hearts lost their, their awe factor and their desire to follow their Messiah. I want to show you this. Check this out as it transitions. The pollution of the nation. Let's go back to Malachi chapter uh, 1. Malachi chapter 1, pick it up uh, in verse 7. You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, you, have, you bring blind animals for sacrifice. Is that not wrong? You sacrifice crippled and diseased animals. Is that not wrong? Try offering them to the governor. Would he be pleased? With you? Would he accept you 
says the Lord Almighty. And so the thing that they knew in, in um, Exodus, or I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 21, they were to offer sacrifices. And they were to offer sacrifices without blemish. And their hearts had wandered so far, they're saying, you know what, God? We'll bring you a sacrifice, but we're going to bring you the one that's got issues. The one that's blind, it's going to die anyway, so we might as well just give it to you. The one that's lame, it's going to die anyway, so we're just going to give it to you. God, that's how much we don't love you anymore. That's how far we've wandered from the truth of your word. We don't care anymore that you demonstrated your love towards us. We don't care about all the things that you've done for us. God, we're just going to give you what we want to give you when we want to give it to you. That's where they were. It gets worse. Starts with sacrifices, but then go to chapter 2. Pick it up in verse 1. And now, this is, an, this is something he's going to use to admonish the priests, the spiritual leaders. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them. Because you have not set your heart to honor me. So the ones that should have been out calling out these individuals saying, you know what? It's not right biblically for you to bring a sacrifice that has defect. That's not right. So you go find me the right sacrifice. They had gone. The priests weren't even interested in saying, hey, this is what's right anymore. And so their hearts had gone from wonder and awe to disrespect. Their hearts as a priest had wonder from being the individual that wanted to stand for truth and be a messenger for God, that wasn't a passion anymore. And if you, if you drop down um, to verse 7, for the lips of the priest ought to preserve knowledge and, his mouth, and from his mouth men should seek instruction because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. I've got a note uh, as I was reading and studying and listening to different people about the word knowledge. The messengers would tell the individuals what they wanted to hear because they wanted them to like them. That's what, what their message would be. I can't make wrong right to make you happy. I can't tell you what you want to hear unless it's the truth from God's word. I will not be your messenger. I want to be God's messenger to you. So I ask you something this morning. Are you in awe of Jesus this morning? Have you lost your wonder? Has your heart grown cold? Is there a passion in your soul to be obedient to him? Is there, and, and, I'm, is there, and what I want you to do is, please don't think about your neighbor or your friends or your brother or your sister or a work person. I'm just thinking you and Jesus sitting here this morning. This is for you. Have you lost your all? See, 
It's really easy to do because you can get busy. Or you'll forget about how he's demonstrated his love to you. For however many years you've been alive, he's been loving you. And he hasn't been loving you just because, oh, by the way, I love you. Words. He's a God that demonstrates his love. Romans chapter 5 tells us that. But God demonstrated his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're alive today. Why? Because he loves you. Because he gave you life. Oh, I know you've got issues. I know you've got burdens. I know you've got concerns. And I know most every one of us sitting in this room have things in our lives that we can't do on our own strength. I got that. I understand that. But are you in all of him? Are you asking him for help? Are you on your face before him and saying, hey, I, I can't do this. This is too much for me. What's interesting, as you think about this pollution of the nation, it wasn't just sacrifices, and, there's a, and, and it wasn't just the priests being unfaithful. There's other things, too. And, and I, you know, I can't take, take you to all those things, but I want you to go with me to, um, to chapter 3 and pick it up in verse 7. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have, have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask. And again, so he's going to say, return to me and I'll return to you. And then they ask, but well, what, what does that mean? But you ask, how can I return to you? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you. Because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then there's blessing. And so this morning, as you, there's two words I want to put on the screen. Tithe, talents. The nation of Israel was saying to God, God, we're not going to give you any money. We're not going to tithe to you. And by the way, God, we're not, not only we're not going to tithe to you, we're not going to give our talents either. We're not going to serve you with the things that you've, that you've equipped in us. That's not what we're going to do, God. And so oftentimes I, I don't say hardly anything about this because one of the most difficult things for me as a pastor is to encourage people to give because people think, are going to think, well, he wants a bigger pay raise. That's what I think in my mind when I talk to you about tithing. You're thinking, all right, here comes the budget. They're going to increase their salaries again so they need more money. We owe nobody any money. But we have a responsibility to give back to the one who's given to us. It's fascinating to me as I think about uh, our resources and I think about businesses. And I think about your jobs. And I know you're talented and you're amazing people. But God is the one that gave you the business. And God is the one that gave you the ideas. And God is the next one that's going to sign the contract so you make more money. Whoever comes in and says, I want this, say, okay, fine, I'll sign a contract, go for it. God brings those people to us. So I want to encourage you. Use your money wisely, have fun with your money, give your money back to God. He will take care of your needs. I promise you that.
other thing, your talents. We need you. We were in a leadership meeting the other, on Monday night, and, and we were talking about different things. And I think it was Paul Shoemaker, but I, I don't know for sure. He said, he made a comment. He said something like this. Wouldn't it be interesting if we'd be part of a family that was like this? That when we walked onto this property, we would say, not what would this family do for me, but what will we do for this family? Not what we would get from this family. Or not as how is Bible Fellowship Church going to help us? Or what is Bible Fellowship Church going to do for us? Not that we would be like that. But we would gather together as a group of brothers and sisters and say, you know what? What can we do? How can we serve? How can we be involved? God, what do you want me to do here? And I realize sometimes it's hard to figure out how do you fit into a family and what do you do and where do you go? There's always opportunities to be involved. And some of it's just walking by and saying hi to somebody as they try to figure out where they're going to park. And being nice to them as they come into the parking lot. Other times just walk around meeting somebody new. Oh, by the way, I didn't sit on this side today because I want to meet somebody on this side. Be careful. Because there's, most of us forget where our talents come from and we forget where our money comes from. The last thing that you see here is a promise to the nation. But I'm going to put these, these two on here, back up here, and I'm going to leave the third one out for this morning for the sake of time. As I close, I want to ask you a couple questions. Realizing that the privilege of the nation was that they were loved by God. You know that God loves you. And all of us, we would, we'll shake our head up and down, yeah? That's what we're supposed to say in church. And don't let your heart wander. Don't point your, hold your fist together and say, God, this isn't fair. For years. I'm not saying there's times in my life that I have not been aggravated at God. I have been very angry at God. But I don't want to keep my fists closed. I want to open my hands and say, okay, God, you're doing something in my life. I don't understand why at this point. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. But I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to get bitter at you. Remind yourself, and I think we, I really think you probably ought to do this. Spend some time this afternoon reminding of yourself of the demonstration of God's love for you over the years. You all have a book. You probably should write it. Some of us shouldn't be alive. Some of the things I used to do on a snowmobile, I shouldn't be standing here today. But I am. Why? Because God wanted me to be alive. Think about it. Think about what God's done just to get you here today. Pollution. What's going on inside of you? And what I'm not, I'm not talking about your feelings. 
I'm talking about how are you doing with your faithfulness, your talents, your ties. And how are you doing if God calls something wrong, you call it wrong too. How are we doing there? How are we doing where the things that nobody knows? How are we doing with us just being faithful? God, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what it looks like. God, I'm going to follow you. So I really, all those things really are kind of like a basically restoration. Some of us need in this room this morning restoration from our sin. Some of us need heart restoration. Some of us need faithfulness restoration and talents restoration. Some of us need to say, you know what, God? I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to tithe. And as I thought about our time, you know, I was thinking about the messenger. And the messenger's Christ and his message provides hope, strength, encouragement, correction, surrender, forgiveness. Will you run to him? Will you stop and say, I need you today. I'll never, I'll never remember when or where I was when, when, when Eugene read these words, but I'll never forget these words. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Run the race. It's marked out for you. But don't just run in your anger and your bitterness. Run the race with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Run the race. Don't let your heart wander. Because if you do, you're going to wake up however many years later and you're going to say, how in the world did I get involved in this sin? How did I get that far? How did I get it so far that I would be willing to sacrifice a lame animal on the altar? How did I get it so far that I got, was willing to be involved in an affair and adultery and pornography? How did I get away over there? Because you lost your all. You forgot that he demonstrated his love for you. You forgot about it. Stop this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to do some restoration work in your soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the opportunity to pause in the middle of what's going on to think about your word. So I pray, Holy Spirit, whatever restoration work needs to take place in lives in this room this morning, that you would work. For those who need encouragement, would you be their encouragement? For those who need strength, be their strength. For those who need hope, be their hope. For those who need correction, be their correction. For those who need to surrender, give them the courage to surrender. For those who need to cry out to you for forgiveness, 
May they cry out to you. He knows your heart. Listen to the still small voice and run to him. So Holy Spirit, I know you're here. I just pray that you would, that we would be willing to listen to your voice, that your voice would be so loud that we wouldn't, wouldn't reject it, that we'd run to you, and that you would begin a work of healing, that you would begin a work of awe in our lives, that we would run to you for help and strength. Holy Spirit, come move in our family. Come change us from the inside out. Shake our lives up, Lord. Make, uh, make you a pro- help us to make you a priority. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to meet around your word. In your name I pray, amen.